There is a parable of Jesus that I wish to share to start off our topic today. Once there was a sower who went out to the field. Some seed landed on the road where it was eaten by the birds, others landed in fields with thorns, but they were choked out. Then some more landed on rocky soil, prevented the roots from forming, and when the sun came out, the plants withered, but still some landed in good soil that produced a bountiful harvest. Later that day, after the crowds had dispersed, his disciples came to him asking about the meaning behind the parable. Jesus explained that the seed was the message of the kingdom of God, and the fields were the types of people who would receive it. The path is the people who are not even receptive to the message, and it's like the seed that is eaten by the birds. The thorny soil represents the people who have heard the message, but the things of life cried it out. Now we come to the two soils that had a plant prosper for a time. We all know that the good soil is the person who truly accepts the message, and digs deep into the Word of God and grows from it. Rocky soil represents those who have accepted the message but do not have the depths needed to survive persecution, represented by the sun that dries them up because they couldn't reach down to the living water that would let them endure with strength. And it is this point we are talking about today, growing deep in your relationship with God and how there are two main ways a ministry can grow. Our two available ways are to grow outwards or downwards. Outwards represents having a vast amount of people being reached by what you say or do, but never goes far in impacting them. Downwards is when the impact is deep and nourishing to a person. For a vast amount of this media ministry, my goal has been to be deep in context, but in that decision exists the understanding that your growth will not be as easy to track in numeric value. Taking how this ministry started with me only doing a blog that was a bit of all over the place in content style before becoming the precursor of Isaiah 18 Ministries. That blog was started in 2020, and as God worked to make me deep in my understanding of who He was and all His Word, the prompting to share what I was seeing became stronger and stronger to the point of making that my focus. At the time of writing this, the blog has only 35 followers, and those followers, there seems to be only three people who read it as each one comes out, or seems to be only three people who read it on a regular basis. Now, if you know anything about internet pages, it's that they use trackers to determine how much traffic a person gets, and thus show it to more people based on that demand for the content. Because this, my question for a time was, how could I get more people to read this? I want the message being written to get out there and be found by everyone because of their spiritual value. This spread discouragement and caused the uphill-downhill pattern that existed for my earlier years and still I have at times. But as I have continued to keep this work in prayer, I find myself needing to continually be reminded that this work doesn't belong to me but to God. He has been kind enough to grant me these things, but it all comes from Him. That means it's up to him on how wide this message reaches out. My focus is to be working on to do what I've been called to do. This all ties into my title today, Sight of True Revival. When we think of revival, we oftentimes think of a church that's filled to the brim with people singing and coming before an open altar with people being prayed over. People are getting healed by God through the working of miracles, and we hear people speaking in tongues, that is then followed up by a translation for the congregation to hear the message. And why 
And while all of this is good and can be part of a revival, we can't forget that there's a different that there's a different type of revival that can happen. One that comes from people within the church going deep in their scriptures. I'm classifying them as personal and congregational revivals for the sake of distinguishing between the two of them. Before we go any further, I need to make one thing clear about revivals. It requires openness and submission to the Holy Spirit for it to happen. In other fact, that's the one requirement. Now, the famous Azusa Street revivals in the 1920s were first preceded by the members of that church spending dedicated time in prayer together, begging for the Holy Spirit to be restored to them with the evidence of speaking in tongues, because that hadn't happened for a while in society. They asked for it to be given back to them again. And this true desire for a deeper understanding and knowledge of who God is must be the core of a revival to happen. It must be at the core for a revival to happen and for it to be a genuine revival. Now, I've been part of many churches growing up, and my family eventually helped to found Stuttgart Missional Community Church. That church started out as just a Bible study, but grew into what we think of when we hear the word church. A place with people meeting on Sundays for services. As that church grew, sorry, the teleprompter is a little fast today, so I'm having a hard time keeping up. And that's one point for the how many times we go off track game that we'd like to play here. Anyways, as I was saying, as that church grew, we wanted to have a family mindset where it was genuinely possible for people to grow. That's the creation of growth groups. It is because people were growing deep in their relationship with God, people would inevitably tell about what's going on in the church. And that genuine presence of God that comes from seeking Him is what caused the growth of the church and the news to spread outward. Now, in our modern America, and even Western culture, we've become so focused on congressional revival that we've forgotten that it's also preceded by a personal revival. That person is the one who begins encouraging growth in those around them. It is that deep growth that prepares the congregation for the revival that God wants to pour out on them. This preparation is necessary because God's desire is for His name to be glorified. And when churches have the proper heart and mind, they will do such in all the things as to as much as they can. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit will enhance this to supernatural levels and empower things that we never expected or could predict the details of. However, what we do with this outpouring impacts the perception that the world has of us as Christians. This impact comes from more than just what we do with the outpouring, but also how we live our lives as well. This is why the Bible has such a focus on us Christians living holy lives that are no longer common in this world. The fruits of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5, 22-23, are virtues that develop within our lives as we live seeking to become more like Christ. Sorry, seeking to live... Let me try this again. The virtues develop within our lives as we live seeking to become more like Christ in our personal character. In fact, the term Christian was used to describe how we were so much like Christ in our behavior and mannerisms. It wasn't until the people of Antioch first started calling us Christians, and the name stuck. Before then, the Jews called us followers of the way. 
And this brings us all back to the beginning of the parable of the sower and the types of soil that we can be. God doesn't want a person to be a rocky soil that quickly abandons the teachings of scripture when things get hard. He wants them to be the good soil that lets the roots grow and solidify themselves deep into earth, reaching the water tables that nourishes it, even in a drought. And that water is the word of God, which Jesus describes as the living water when speaking with the Samaritan woman by the well in the Gospel of John chapter 4. One thing about congregational revivals that I want to say is that people so often forget to follow them up with discipleship groups and making sure that what has been planted is nourished. Right now as I'm writing slash reading this, I started having the thoughts that maybe this is why we don't see them happening all too often. God would rather have a hundred personal revivals that make a lasting impact rather than thousands of congregational ones that don't, that don't last in the same way. That last part is just my speculation, but it's worth considering and wondering about. That's all for this time. If you want to, make, if you want to grow as a Christian, I recommend choosing one of the four Gospels to read through. Right, let's see if I can't speak that right. I recommend choosing one of the four Gospels to read through, then go to the book of Acts to read the history of the early church, and then keep going through the New Testament for the theological understanding. And as you're going through this, look for other Christians to talk about these things. Or if you want, you can send me an email using the contact form on isaiah118ministries.org, and I'll get back to you the best I can to answer those questions. Until next time, courage and Godspeed.